And he talks about the importance of the human experience. He, he says that it's all about ex experiencing contrast. In spirit, you can conceptually understand something like the concept of cold. But you have to really ex have the experiential component and experience, for example, hot to really get what cold is like. So we... You got to You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hi guys, it's so great to be with you again. Karen here from Accentuate the Positive Media teacher of deliberate creation, bringing you enlightened stories to expand your awareness and uplift your life. I'm so excited to have Elisa Medhus on the show today. Ooh, I'm loving this woman. I tell you, I'm loving what she's doing in the world. You're going to find out all about her and what's going on, but let me just tell you a little bit about Elisa. Elisa Medhus is a physician and a mother of five, has practiced internal medicine in Houston, Texas for over 30 years. After the death of her 20-year-old son, Eric, Dr. Medhus began journaling her grief on a blog called Channeling Eric. She knew that only in helping others could she heal herself. Because of her strong science background, she formerly viewed spiritual matters such as the soul survival of death with skepticism. But once Eric began communicating with the family, friends and blog members, her entire paradigm shifted. After devouring various books on quantum physics, explaining the science behind spirituality, Dr. Medhus is no longer a skeptic. Now she channels Eric through a medium, asking him questions about death, the afterlife and so much more, so much more. As her blog members join her in this journey towards spiritual understanding, Eric continues to offer not only his insights as an insider on the other side, but also adds some comic relief with his mischievous pranks. She shares her journey in her book, My Son and the Afterlife, Conversations from the Other Side. Eric has authored his own book, which will be out soon in September, called My Life After Death, A Memoir from Heaven. Lisa, so great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Big g'day from Down Under. Have you ever come to Australia before? No, but it's always been my dream. I've always wanted to go there. It's well, such a beautiful country. Well, you'll have to come on down. You'll have to do a bit of a Channeling Eric tour, travel around the world telling people your story. Come on down. We'd love to have you. Well, you know, we do have a lot of blog members who are from Australia, so yeah. that might be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And Eric's excited. He wants to come too. Not that he can't be here and have a look, but anyway, he wants you to come. He's excited for you to come. So let's tell people a bit of your story because here's the thing. Your story is online. That You've had a lot of people interview you and it's all in the book and it's all on the blog. But for those people who haven't heard your story, we'll just touch on what happened and then we'll get into what's been going on over the last couple of years. So about almost five years ago now, your precious son, is he your oldest or second oldest? Third oldest. Third out of five. Third. Eric, and he had just turned 20. And then he took his life, unfortunately, and there were many reasons for that. First of all, he had 
really severe bipolar disease. And I'm telling you, Karen, we took him to a therapist once a week, to a psychiatrist once a week. He was showered with love. Our family is extremely affectionate. I think it's the Southern USA type of thing, but it, you know, it just wasn't enough. And um, so he did end up taking his life. Plus he was plagued by things like learning disabilities and he had Tourette's, a mild form. He had some verbal and motor tics. And so he was sort of the target of bullies and including teachers. There was a teacher that just told him right out, hey, you're stupid. Really? So, yeah, so he was pretty miserable. Now, when he died, though, it was, oh, God, of course, it was just a mother's nightmare. I mean, I, I, can, I can't tell you how painful it was. I mean, there's no, there's no greater pain than losing a child. But it was particularly worse for me because, um, well, of course, for all parents, but in my case, I'm a physician. So my whole world is science, 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 science. And science taught me that if it existed, that means you had to you know, perceive it with one or more of your senses or measure with an instrument or something like that. And I, I couldn't with Eric. I mean, I couldn't see him. I couldn't measure him smell him, see him, you know, touch him, nothing. Second, I was raised by atheists. So I, I, I wasn't an atheist, but I didn't really have any kind of belief system about what comes after death. And, and my parents were particularly militant atheists. They, <laughs> militant. they were very militant atheists. They were they ridiculed and scorned anybody who believed in life after death. So that made it very difficult for me to answer two very important questions. Like, does Eric exist? And, you know, if he does, where is he? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I want to discuss with you about the bipolar disease and being this sort of staunch atheist, because I think there's so many messages in your story. And when you read the book and when you read the blog, blog members or people reading it will find out that, you know, there are some things that we come in into life that are sort of predestined and often the exit, you know, when we leave is one of them. And so Eric says that even though he did suffer bipolar or, or um, the ravage of his negative thoughts, he was destined to leave at that time. But do you think that if there wasn't such a staunch belief in only what we can see and nothing outside of that. There could have been help to help him overcome his limiting thoughts. There could have been some sort of spiritual help, you know, if you look outside the medical box. Well, possibly. Now, I was not an atheist. I'll, I'll uh, repeat that. I was very open-minded. I, I am open-minded. I just didn't give very much thought. And I think having a busy practice and raising five kids made it very difficult for me to contemplate my navel, much less anything else. But, um, you know, the kids could always talk about things like this with me and with their father. And, and we often did discuss, I wonder what happens. But we just left it a big question mark. Mm -hmm. So Eric knew that there were all sorts of possibilities. He did. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. There we go. You're clear as a bell now. It just clicked. All right. Good. Eric, thank you. Thank you, Eric. 
<laughs> there we go. Thank you. That I've ne I have never seen that happen before. So I know Eric is with us. Oh, he's blinking the screen. I know Eric is with us, so he's making himself known. Hi, Eric. He's a part of this conversation. And well, you might listen to the recording afterwards because very often he will leave his voice on these. Yeah, 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 for sure. Really clearly. <laughs> For sure. He wants to chime in. He wants to, we need Jamie here because I'm not quite as good as a translator as Jamie or all the other translators that you've been using. Getting back to a mother's grief, you said that it, that it is the worst pain that people can experience the loss of a child. Has the journey of the blogging and the talking to Eric through mediums and also talking to, because I know you're talking to him yourself, and you're letting go of the belief that you can't and you're coming to the understanding that you have direct access, communication access to him because that's something that I'm passionate about is teaching people that, you know, I don't want to teach people to be psychics or to be translators like Jamie, but that we can all access our loved ones in non-physical. Exactly. And um, I know that you're doing it. We just have to let go of our ideas that we can't, you know, or that we have to be psychic to be able to do it because... We are all innately psychic, but we don't want to access everybody else's relatives. We just want to access, you know, we just want to call the ones we want to call, right? Not like a medium who can access everybody. So has that alleviated your grief? Oh, gosh. I, uh, for the first four years, I'm going to say it was very difficult because I did not want to believe that Eric was still alive. And I know that sounds so strange, but really... If I did believe, and we had, I had so many things that happened that made me feel like it's, he's got to be alive still, mm -hmm. and I can go into that later. But, um, you know, if I found out later that it was all a bunch of horse manure, then I, that would be losing him again. I couldn't go through that. So I did not want to believe. I just, you know, went kicking and screaming the whole way. This is not the wishful thinking of a grieving mother at all. But finally something happened, you know, beside all the other things, the pranks, the, the, the different phenomena that occurred that made me go from like hovering at 90%, yeah, this is really true, there's really life after death, to 100%, never to return. Mm. And that was when I heard Eric's voice on a recording. You know, I, I, he had called me on the telephone, which was really interesting, and that's a story unto itself. But, um, you know... I, it didn't, for some reason, stick on the answering machine. Mm. So I didn't really, you know, there were other things too. He would turn on fa water faucets, unlock deadbolts. We'd watch the deadbolt just turn. He would make appliances work that were unplugged. He would manifest airsoft BBs at the ceiling and then have them drop in front of me and bounce. So all of these things that... I didn't have proof of them. I didn't have a video of them, nothing. I had no recording of them. But finally, I caught something that I could refer to over and over again and tell myself, well, I'm not crazy. You know, I'm not delusional. And that was um, during a session that Jamie Butler, a medium that I use, one of the blog members brought it to my attention that she heard three voices on the recording. And I said, no, I don't, I don't think so, sweetie, because... And we were the only ones there. There was nobody. We didn't hear anybody. But, of course, I listened. And, oh, yeah, three voices. And one of them was most definitely Eric's. I mean, Karen, a mother knows the sound of her own kid's voice. And it was unmistakably 
Eric. He, he said breakfast like a kid, like breakfast instead of breakfast. Breakfast. And he, he had this verbal tick of clearing his throat. I heard that. I, you know, there were so many parts of it. I mean, it was him, without a doubt. But still, I decided to go ahead and, and have a sound professional analyze it. And he did. And he, he determined, his conclusion was, the voices were all not human. For one, they didn't leave any voice signature. Mm-hmm. So there, there I am, 100%, never to return. So that tipped it for you, that tipped the, that little bit of skepticism that's just like, right, this is really happening. Right, but still I grieved a lot. Mm-hmm. But Eric decided he wanted to write his memoirs and channeling that and finding out everything about his death, everything about his life as a spirit, everything about the afterlife. I just feel like I know where he is and he's in good hands, having a good time. And so I I don't really grieve over him anymore. This second book, which is not going to come out until uh, September, has healed me. It it really has. It's, It's like I miss him. It's like I'm a mother whose kid is on this work-study abroad program about to come home any minute with a duffel bag full of dirty laundry, but but I don't feel that heavy grief anymore for the first time. Mm-hmm. Look, you sent me the book to read, you know, the draft, because I know it's coming out soon in September. And there's something about that book, like I have access to this information and have had access to this information, but reading that book, it's so descriptive. And it's, it's like reading someone's memoirs, you know, of their life. So you yeah. really get inside this person's life and you really get to know where they are and who they are. And it just seemed to, like, shift something in me as well. Like, I don't even know what it is. It's like the, this blurriness of, like, who are we and where do we go and what do we do when we die? There was – there's so much information out there. There's just – a plethora of information out there but there's nothing that I've ever read that's so succinct so blow by blow you know moment by moment and he's writing it from a an environment that has no time so sort of hard to talk about his moment by moment when there is no moment by moment from our understanding but it really does clear up a lot of understanding about about how we do go on and about how just like life here, you know, there's this fabulous saying, as above, so below. And that's never been really explained to me or to anyone, I think, really succinctly. And when you read his life, it is as above. It's so different, but it's so the same. So the similarity is that we get to create it and that our thoughts create our reality up there as well as here. And then there are different environments there that we can play with, that we can go to, just like there are different countries here which have different environments where we can play with and we can go to. That's true. Yeah, so, you know, there is this life journey in non-physical just like there is this life journey in physical. It's just a different environment that has a few different rules. You know, like here we have the rules of gravity and physical Whereas there we don't have those rules. Thought manifests instantly where there's no gravity, there's no physical. There's no, so there's different rules but, and we've got to, you know, work with those rules like we're working with these rules here. You know, we're working with gravity and time and all those 
So it's a fabulous book. It really is. I think it is. I mean, I, I'm not bragging because I didn't write it. I just transcribed it. I'm just the lowly transcriptionist, but it is jaw-dropping, page-turning. It's like there's very little, if any, mystery left to what happens after we die by the time you read it. And Eric does it in this characteristic, very casual, peppered with a little sailor talk way that makes you feel like you're sitting in the living room talking to him. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, what I love about it too is that it, it is spoken with such normal language. I mean, well, normal. I mean, the, the language of a 20-year-old that likes to swear and cuss yeah. and stuff like that. So if, if swearing and cussing is something that, <laughs> that you don't want to know about, it wouldn't be something to read. But, yeah. it's you know, there's this fabulous book called A Course in Miracles. Have you heard of it? Yes. But that's written. It's so hard to understand. And I remember reading it years ago and like, why is it's like wading through mud? Why is it so difficult to understand? And then the explanation was given to me that it has to be difficult so that you really think about it. And I'm thinking, why can't just make it easy? You know, <laughs> you didn't buy into that. You didn't buy into that, did you, Karen? I did not read it because it was just too hard. But, you know, here's Eric talking in very simple, normal language about his life as anyone would talk about their life here and it just makes it so simple and so easy to read. It's just like absolutely a breath I'm, I'm of fresh so air. Proud of him. I just want to shout out to you, Eric. I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> I've got Jamie and Eric in my head saying, thanks, Mom. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> because, you know, I hear Eric through Jamie's voice because I've been watching Jamie channeling oh, Eric. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so he's giving me his voice now. <laughs> the deeper Texan accent, okay. Right, okay, so let's get on with this story. So he, um, the book is actually very graphic. So he shoots himself in the head and he discusses that in the book, which is for anyone that's interested in that sort of thing, it's a bit morbid, but it's fascinating because I think one of the big fears that most people have about death is, is it going to hurt? You know, is it going to hurt when I die? I don't mind dying. I just don't want it to hurt. And uh, he talks about, no, no pain, no pain. Again, a lot of people that have near-death experiences say that that's a choice too, that you can experience the pain if you want or you can just like pop out before any sort of pain hits. That's right. Eric says that if, if, a, if a spirit wants to experience it, like, hey, I have not experienced an agonizingly, an agonizing, slow, hor horrible death. I think I'll try that next time. Count me out on that one. But you can if you want, if you just want that experience and it's all about experience experiences to spirits but i will say that that chapter oof, that was really rough on me because there were details that i did not know about and i really you know i really wish i didn't know now and you know there was a point during that chapter where i just didn't want to continue that i wanted to stop because it was just so painful but um you know, I, I kept on because I, it was for Eric and my son. I love him so much. And, you know, it got better. All of a sudden it changed from he's out of his body, he said his goodbyes, he went to his funeral, and he's crossing over. And then his adventure begins, and I know he's in a lovely place, happy and well. Yeah, yeah. Well, the beauty of you, Elisa, is that 
you know, I love your questioning mind. I mean, that's the beauty of the whole story. It's your questioning, it's your investor to give mind and willing to push through that sort of thing, like reading about how your son shot himself. Whew, I mean, how many people can do that? And then writing it in a book. But the fact that you have that courage, really, and because that allows it to open for the rest of us to read it, to experience it, to understand it. Because there really is something about, you know, we're so caught up in our minds here in this physical dimension where we have to understand things. And I think that when we do understand things, we get to feel better about life. That's the way I experience it anyway. When I understand something, I get to feel better about life and living and um and that's why I feel better about Eric's not being here in the physical is because I know more exactly. about the situation. Exactly. So, uh, but still, it's very difficult. And uh, I, I just, that, that's a chapter I really don't want to read again. Yeah. yeah. And I don't have to, Okay, let's move past that. So he's, so he's out of his body and he's going around saying hi to everyone because when he's out of his body, he's like, hey, this is cool. And he's learning to sort of maneuver his new light body in a new way. And he understands that he's now under some new rules. So when he thinks, like when he thinks of someone, he's right there next to them. So so manifestation happens instantly in non-physical as opposed to here we think and then there's a buffer of time. And so he describes about learning how to do that. So he's he's going around like trying to get people's attention. Like he's really diligent. That's right. Are you referring to the goodbyes? Yeah, the goodbyes. Yeah. yeah. They're very poignant, heart-wrenching and heartwarming all at the same time. And with each of us, he would sit by us and tell us what he learned from the relationship, from being with us. And, uh, oh, gosh, I just the, the, that is a very powerful chapter. Yeah. And then he realized that he could travel with his thoughts, too, just like you were alluding to. He would think about the ambulance in the street, and he was in front of it. So first taste that he got that, you know, being a spirit body is different. That and emotions were a little bit different too for him. That's one of the first things he realized because when he was thinking about how awful it would be for me to find his body, and I did, yeah. and uh, it was a horrific scene, he felt a lot of remorse, of course, but it was different than the human remorse. There was an element of detachment and objectivity to it. And later on, he found out that negative emotions, yes, you can feel them as spirits, but you can't hold on to them for very long. It takes way too much energy. It's too dense. And it's like holding on to greased monkey bars. You, you just can't do it. So, uh, and that's good. I like that. That's a great analogy. I love that greased monkey bars. <laughs> I know because I've got a mob that I chat to who I call blissful beings. They've never really had an identity. You know, they're not like a dead relative. Or, they're just a mob of like a stream of energy that's, that talks to me. And, and they say that, you know, exactly the same thing. The information they give me and the information I get from the book is the same, but it's said differently, which really cements it. It really cements the information. Yeah. Non-physical or our source is a source of pure positive energy. And you can't experience so-called negative or a devastating emotion there only here can you have that ride only here can you have that ride and that's crazy enough but that's why we want to come here because that ride of you know hitting the lows and then finding the highs again from that perspective is so delicious because you can't have that over there you've only got 
like you say, there's a detachment. You can't experience the negative. That's true. And, and he talks about the importance of the human experience. He, he says that it's all about experiencing contrast. In spirit, you can conceptually understand something like the concept of cold. But you have to really ex have the experiential component and experience, for example, hot to really get what cold is like. So we create these lives, we design these lives of contrast to learn, well, mostly about all the facets of love. For example, if you want to learn about the facet of love called forgiveness, then you might um, you know, plan with another spirit to come to life and become betrayed by that other spirit. So you can understand. And he, I like his brownie analogy. It's just great. He says that, you know, you can look at a picture of a brownie. I don't know if you guys have that there, but they're delicious. And they call them biscuits. Biscuits. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, we have brownies. We have brownies. Yeah. Okay, good. Brownies. That's good. And read a recipe and see the image of it. And you can sort of get an idea about what a brownie is all about. But really, you have to come to earth. Well, you have to get into the kitchen. You have to mix up the, all the ingredients, get batter all over your clothes or hair, probably in my case. And then you have to put it in the pan and stick it in the oven, maybe burn your fingers here and there. And, and then you take them out, you cool them off, you frost them. Got to have that fudge frosting. And you take a bite. And that's when you really know what a brownie's all about. Yeah. It's that experiential component that's so important to the human experience. Yeah. It's interesting because that's one of the most important messages that I get. And it's something from this perspective that's really hard to understand is that this dimension with all its contrast and all its drama and all its pain is so desired from that, from that perspective because that experience is just delicious, you know, as you say, making the brand, the experience of eating, the experience of sex, the experience of pain, all of it, which you kind of have over there, is just so wanted from that perspective. Something, something that a lot of people forget, because especially when you hear about how blissful it is on the other side, people are like, I want to go back there, you know, I want to be there. I don't want to be in this horrible contrasting environment. And then you might die or you might kill yourself and you get over there and you think, oh, no, send me back to Earth. <laughs> a lot of spirits do that. Eric's brother, his only brother, worries about that. He says, God, heaven sounds boring because he knows that Eric has said that there's really no anticipation there. You know everything. So there's no, nothing like, ooh, what's going to happen next? There's, there's no sensation like that. But there are pros and cons to both sides. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Heaven sounds boring. Heaven sounds boring. <laughs> so, Elisa, you started the blog. Um, how long did it take you before people were really getting involved with it? I know that you started the blog to sort of channel your grief. How long did it take you before people started to get really interested? Well, I don't really remember exactly, but I, I know it did not take long, especially when I started sharing some of the pranks that we were experiencing mm -hmm. and, uh, and other signs, and also some of the information Eric shared about death, the afterlife spirits, and so on. Mm -hmm. Then it just took off, and it's just so surreal. It's, I sometimes get overwhelmed thinking about how enormously popular this has become, because, you know, here I am, just a little woman with her laptop and sitting on the couch, typing away. And, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine that there are scores of people out there who have been changed. I mean, saved 
not only figuratively, but literally too. For example, this one woman, uh, she lost her son just like I had, and she'd been going to therapy, wasn't working. And so she came home from one therapy session, determined to kill herself. And uh, I don't know, I can't remember how she was going to do it, or maybe I, maybe I never knew. And uh, she got everything ready. But before she did, she decided to go to her computer and type in, my son is dead. And up comes Channeling Eric. Wow. So she reads the whole blog. There weren't, you know, thousands of posts like there are now. And she decides that life is worth living. And she's still with us today. And this, this other comment I got not that long ago, this gentleman said, um, I was planning to kill myself today, but after reading this post, I want to live. So you get all these things. And here I'm just a little country girl from Texas that lost her son. It's just like, gosh, I... And then another thing that is that floors me is that Eric pranks and visits people from the blog and YouTube subscribers too, just all over the world. I mean, not subtle things too. They'll be very, very obvious things. And that's, I just think it's just surreal. Look, there's just so many good things going on here. There's the message that life goes on, which is a very important message. And for anyone waking up, like you did for any scientific mind or atheist or skeptic. That's a really important message. And the message that we can communicate with the other side, just pick up the phone. You've got to, you've got to dial the right number. You know, you've got to dial the right frequency or energy. There is a little bit of a skill to it, but then honing those skills are important because when you hone those skills to communicate with non-physical, you actually expand your skills to, you know, live life well. And, you know, it's saving lives. <laughs> Hello, it's saving lives. This is amazing. I'm it's so proud. Of, I'm so proud of Eric. He's done so much, and he couldn't have achieved this in the physical. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to get into what's been happening with the. So you reached out to a medium. Let me ask you: When you did reach out to a medium, someone that was a scientist and a skeptic, how did you come to terms with that? I mean, because you didn't really believe in mediums. Great question. First of all, my whole journey from skeptic to believer started three days after Eric's death when I get this call from my atheist father, yeah. panicked, saying that he was sitting in his chair reading his paper and Eric all of a sudden was in front of him. And then Eric turned it into his little boy self and crawled up into his lap and my father was like, I'm so startled, I don't know what to believe. So. I mean, this, this is not a guy who would make up a story like this to make me feel better. Yeah. My father would not do that. His first words to me when Eric died after I gave him the news was, oh, I'm so sorry, Lisa, but Eric's going to turn to dust. So he's, it's not, he's not the kind of guy to try to spread good news. And so I thought, well, I need to investigate. And that's when I started researching quantum physics, alternate dimensions, near-death experiences. And I stumbled upon some controlled studies on mediums. Now, I also read that a lot of parents, out of desperation sometimes, seek the help of a medium to connect with their child. And so I thought, well, what, what do I have to lose? I've read everything, at least everything I can understand. Anything else would have been over my head. So I decided to try some. And uh, some of them were terrible. Were they? But, uh, but some of them were just so good. I remember my first session with Jamie. Wow. She didn't even know I had a son. 
and much less one who had killed himself. And she said, well, your son is here. And he says he killed himself. And then she went on to describe where he was, that, you know, he was sitting at his desk at the time, mm -hmm. that he used a gun, what kind of gun it was, the exact des description of the clothes he was wearing. And he, she was also able to capture his personality with the mischievousness and the sailor talk and all that. So, you know, I, I kept calling back and making more appointments for more sessions. I know this has cost you a fortune, this blog. I mean, that's something that, uh, because you've posted, I don't know, how many YouTube videos now with oh, Jen? I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's true. It's, 60 it's, or maybe 100, and you've had so many sessions, and you've been, you know, funding this by yourself. And then you go on YouTube and you see people making negative comments, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, it's not like, it's not like you're making money from it, or if even if you were, that would be great too. But now I, I don't want to make any money. That'd be like exploiting my kid's death. So that is not in the plans. But um, yeah, it it does cost a lot of money. But I just say, okay, this was a college education fund or whatever. But I do it for Eric, and I do it for my family because yeah. now my other children, my husband. They are comforted by the belief that there is life after death. So there's, you know, I get paid in so many ways, much more than what I spend monetarily. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say, I'm getting feedback. Eric, step away from the computer. <laughs> oh, Eric, your energy is too strong. Because I interview a lot of people and I haven't had this phenomena before. But the clicking of the screen going absolutely clear after blurry, that was the first. That's the first I've seen that. So you reached out to mediums because you read about quantum science. And when you hit those bad ones, you didn't give up. You thought there's some good ones out there. No, I realized they're human. Yeah, they're yeah. Human filters. I know I couldn't do it. So, yeah. you know, that's the thing with any medium, that everything that you receive is coming through the filter of the medium. And I have to say, Jamie is one of the clearest translators I've ever seen, really. I mean, I don't know how many you've uh, experienced, but you first were with someone called Kim um, mm -hmm. and then Jamie. And then now you're speaking with quite a few different ones. Because I know Jamie's a little bit in overwhelm because the blog and the YouTube has made her very famous. Oh, it has put her on the map. Now she's booked up for a year. And yeah, yeah she's very special. But Eric is, is kind of cool because he keeps their filters down. For example, with Jamie, sometimes I'll hear him say, I'll, she'll say, he's saying, don't weed me, Jamie, don't weed me. So he, he tries to keep her in, her filters in check. Yeah. And with the pranking, when I first was, because I discovered you on YouTube, once I watched one or two, I was hooked. <laughs> I discovered the YouTube before I discovered the blog because I do actually like the visual and the audio thing, you know, not having to read it. It's kind of lazy of me. But I was listening to the one with Robin Williams. So Jamie was channeling. Well, okay, so let's let's put it in perspective. So you, through Jamie, talk to Eric and Eric's always present and he chats to you. And then you ask Eric to go and get different people to chat to and you write down a list of celebrities. Yeah, and yeah, Jamie cannot pull these celebrities in by herself yeah Eric, it's interesting you can only do it through Eric with Eric's help yeah that's something that's really interesting I find too yeah. and so you went and asked Robin Williams because I had a bit of a chat with Robin after he died too and and like why did you do that 
just out of curiosity, like, why? What was going on? And he told me. And then as I was watching Jamie, I wanted to see if what he was saying through Jamie was the same. So I was really interested and I was watching with oh. real intent. And then my kitchen lights started flashing and I'm like distracted and looking at the kitchen lights thinking, oh, I've got to change a light bulb because <laughs> the <laughs> kitchen lights are and then I'm listening to the thing and then Eric shows up in my mind's eye like really clear and I'm like oh wow hello Eric so that was my first encounter with Eric because I didn't really yeah I didn't ask to sort of see him or I didn't need pranks I didn't need proof I'm already there I'm already clear all this happens and I'm and I love it so I didn't need any confirmation and then another time one night I was watching an interview I did with Natalie Sudman who is a, a woman wrote a book called The Application of Impossible Things she was blown up in a bomb blast in Iraq and she had this near-death experience which she wrote about in the book and and when I ask people questions I'm asking because I want other people to know the answers I don't really need to know the answers but I want to put that out there so I'm thinking in my head I knew Natalie would say that. And then Siri goes off and says, that's what I figured. <gasps> you know, Eric has done something with Siri with Jamie too. I he was... has made her, her iPhone go off, Siri uh, go off, even though it was like several feet away. So I they have their ways. They have way. He loves to mess, mess with electronics. He really does. I don't know. But, you know, not only was my phone reading my thoughts, it was speaking them back to me. That's what I figured and, and sort of answering my thoughts. It was just like, because I did not touch it. It was nowhere near me. I was on the computer and, sit, and, you know, the phone and I was just blown away. So I went on the blog and I said, can Eric do this? And then, so I'm not sure that it's Eric. So I'm thinking, you know, you always think that this strange phenomena is something, you know, you... It just happened. It's like you, your logical mind passes it off. Oh, your logical mind gets the best of you, absolutely. So the next day I'm again watching another one of the videos and then Jamie is saying, oh, my God, Siri's going off. And then she – That's the one. That's it. And then she says to Eric, is that you doing that? And Eric says, yes. And so that was absolute confirmation for me that Eric did that, you know, like. It was Eric. It was Eric. It was fantastic. I want to get back to the celebrities because I'm on media and one of my intents on media is to have more positive messages through our media system because I think that we're obsessed with drama and celebrity, but celebrity in a bad way in that, you know, what are these celebrities, who are they marrying and who are they divorcing and what is their drama? And the media seems to be obsessed with the drama that celebrities go through. It's so boring but with your blog or YouTube you are using celebrity in a whole new way and I love that I love the fact that go ahead yeah that because people are interested in celebrity we've been programmed that's how we've been programmed it's like Mm -hmm. So you're interviewing celebrities in the afterlife and asking them really poignant questions like, what did you learn? What did you come to learn? How did it, like really fabulous questions. If ever a celebrity could be used in a good way, that would be just the best way. I love it. Well, a lot of people get a little bit angry that I don't ask questions like, you know, did 
Michael Jackson really abused those those children or not, but I cannot do any voyeuristic questions. I mean, the, there has to be an element of respect. Just because they're dead does not mean that they don't d deserve a modicum of respect. So, and it doesn't it doesn't serve anything to get those kind of questions answered. So, so no, I I ask questions uh, that will hopefully help enlighten us and allow us to learn through their mistakes and successes and their level of awareness. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the most important questions are who am I, which the blog kind of covers because we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and in truth who we are is all that we are when we're non-physical and all that we can do and all that we can do there we can do here so that covers that question and then what am I here to learn <laughs> and what can I teach others? I mean that's really about, that's it, that's it. That's it. That's the best. They're the best questions you can ask, which is what you ask people after they die. Like, what were you here to learn? And I love the question about which lifetime, because I know that uh, Eric's a big one for talking about how time is happening all at once. So we're not going to talk about past or future lives, but other lives. But which right. lifetime is impacting or did impact the life that you're, you know, you had in physical? That's a great question. That's a fantastic question. The, the, the answers to those are some of my favorite they really yeah. are so insightful and it really helps you understand what made the person the robin williams for example yeah. the robin williams that he was it's the fascinating really his answer is hysterical because <laughs> he talks about being a hairy animal and in life that, he was really was so hairy that was so funny <laughs> and he was just as funny in spirit as he is as he was yeah, in isn't it comforting to see that they retain their personality if they so choose, it's just lovely. I would hate to find out that Eric lost his Ericness and came to us with, welcome, my dear one. You know, I, I, it's just so, so nice that he's more like, hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> yo 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 but that was something <laughs> that was something that I was speaking to uh, Paul Selleck about recently who's a brilliant channel as well you know personality versus character because he was saying that our personality is made up of our belief systems and thought forms like it's made up of the inherited belief systems from our family and our culture and our sexual orientation and our you know, where we live and it's all sort of our personality is a conglomeration of all that. But our character is a part of the personality and that's what goes on. So we don't have the same beliefs like we did when you're a female, you have different beliefs and when you're a male or if you're gay or straight or if you're born black or white or green or yellow or whatever, there's a whole set of beliefs that, you know, make up your personality but that doesn't go with you, but your character does. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I see it in my son. I see it in my son. Yeah. So he's still retained. So that's something I learned from your blog, the fact that he still retained that character and he didn't come through as, hello, my dear ones. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's so refreshing because I'm his mom. I, I want Eric to still be Eric. And the thought of him losing his individuality, his Ericness, that possibility just horrified me. So I'm really grateful to know that that's not the case. That's interesting too because the, the relationship that you had with Eric was obviously as mother and son in the physical. And the relationship that you have with Eric is still sort of mother and son. But have you, 
Have you sort of dropped that identity of mother and son and seen him more as? Oh, no, no. No? I still think of him as him and I still say, I could still turn you over my knee. No, no, there's still that mother-son. But, you know, before in life, Eric and I could talk about anything. We could talk about sex, whatever. We're very comfortable with each other. And uh, But, you know, a lot of conversations were spent on his misery right. and how to fix him, how to make him happy again. And that's no longer the case. Now yeah. it's the mother-son relationship, but it's also a working relationship. Yes. Here we are together. I'm helping you create this platform so you can help other people. And he has also become my teacher in so many ways. I was his teacher before. I remember drilling him with his multiplication facts back and forth from school. But uh, but now he's drilling me with other interesting facts and insights. Incredible insights. And um, What would be the thing that you think was the most important thing that you learned from Eric? Because you've quizzed him. I've watched all the videos. And so I know pretty much, I haven't read the whole blog. I think it would take me too long to read all the blog. Oh. But you've asked a lot of questions and you have really gone down that rabbit hole really deep. So what would you say has been the most earth-shattering, profound thing that you learned from him? Gosh, there's so many. There's so much, I know. One of the most comforting is we're eternal beings. What the heck can happen to us? So you, you, you can't be afraid. We can't break. We can never break. We're there forever. And we're going to be with the people we love forever because love does not know any boundaries. Not even death is a boundary for love. But I think uh, one of the things he hits upon a lot is emotional honesty, yeah. how important it is to be honest with yourself and with others yeah. to get the most out of your human experience. And it's hard. It's really hard. You really have to scan your thoughts constantly to ask yourself, am I being honest with myself or am I making excuses? Am I being honest with this person in front of me or am I making justifications or and so on? And I've started to practice that a lot more, and it's really made my life different, really and better, better. It's made me a better human being. And he also talks about the importance of vulnerability. You know, most people think vulnerable. Okay, that's a weak thing. You're in a position of weakness. But it's not really true. If you are vulnerable and open and open yourself up, yourself up emotionally, then, again, you're going to have a richer human experience. Absolutely. So it's so interesting, isn't it? I've done a few in interviews lately from uh, near-death experiences and and I've asked that question too a lot and it seems like such a simple answer and yet it is the most profound thing is love, honesty and vulnerability, you know, love. It's like love. Could there be anything more important? Love is. And he says we are here to remember how to love yeah. and that we are love. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think that message just can't be said enough. You know, the Beatles were singing about it. I remember when I was a little girl asking my dad, I think because I, I remember looking up at him in the car, so I was quite little. I said, you know, I used to wonder why every song on the radio was about love. Like everyone's always singing about love. But I guess I figured that out. And I remember dad looked down at me and he goes, you have? <laughs> and I said, yeah, because love is the most important thing. I think I got my dad thinking. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh. From, the, from the mouths of babes. Oh, <laughs> you know, interesting enough, once I hit teenage years and started all that negative thinking that teenagers go through, I'd forgotten that completely. My granddaughter 
came home from school. I picked her up at the bus stop, and she asked for a post-it note and wrote something in her horrible five-year-old spelling and, well, looked like my writing, actually. And she said, love is the, is most important, or is the most important. And I thought, well, that's good. We're raising her right. <laughs> Oh, the kids, the kids know it. You know, the kids, the kids have memory of all this stuff that uh, we have to relearn. We have to remember. We have to remember. So, Elisa, where do you want to take the blog? We want to get you on a tour. We want to get you down under. Do you think you'll sort of do a little bit of a journey around the world and do some talks? Yeah, it's all about me getting out of my little cocoon. Get you basically. out of that office. <laughs> yeah, out of the office and... Uh... Uh, yeah, I, I I think I will do it. I'm I'm committed to opening myself up to the world more. I tend to be very open as far as not sharing everything about my emotions, etc. But but very shy and closed off from. And I think a lot of this happened after Eric died. I lost so many friends. Did you? Because yeah, well, because you know you, you lose a child. That's tough for friends. And you lose them to suicide, doubly tough. Mm -hmm. You lose them to a violent suicide, triply tough. So, uh, so I, I became very isolated. And now is my time to break through that isolation and start making myself available and trying to help others with Eric. Well, trying to be the platform through which Eric can help others. Well, you're doing that. You're doing that very well. And tell me, did you lose friends because of your newfound you know, awareness? Because being the doctor and the scientist and now you're talking to dead people, did you lose friends through that? No, really, no. losing the friends happened right away because it's so uncomfortable. And it's not very uncommon. I mean, I, I hear from other mothers the same thing. But I have to be a little careful about making new friends. They have, you know, I, this is something that's important to me, and it has to be part of our conversations. If it's not, then, you know, I tried to make a friendship with my neighbor, invited her out to lunch, but then she said, okay, well, I can fit you in right after Bible study, and I thought, ah, this is not going to go well. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so it's, it is, it's a little tough, especially here in the South, because I'm in the Bible Belt, so... A lot of people, I get a lot of comments, are talking to the devil. Of course, there's a little truth to that because, well, you know Eric. He's a little I, bit of a devil. I know. You so, said, uh, <laughs> talking to the devil. Yeah, Eric was always a bit of a devil. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that would be tough. I mean, I live in Australia, so we have this. Well, I live in an area that is very open-minded. I'm surrounded by, you know, new age hippies and I love it because I've been talking this awesome. talk. I've been talking this talk for 30 years and 30 years ago, I did not have people in, involved in this conversation. So that's why I love having conversations with people like you and spreading this because I remember having this, uh, there was me and my books in my bedroom and nobody else around me was having this conversation and I knew it was truth and everyone was telling me I was a mad hippie. But the world has changed. We are in a new enlightened world. And I'm surrounded by them, but I can imagine in, in the Bible Belt in um, Texas, there would be a lot of resistance to what you're doing. Do you find that tough? Poor Jamie, she lives in Georgia. That's, that's deep stuff. But yes, it, it, that's so true. But I see now that science is starting to bridge the gap. Yeah. They, they came out with uh, information that the soul is made from neutrinos. 
and that it's attached to the body through these little intracellular structures called microtubules. I mean, they're dis- discovering the existence of parallel dimensions. So we're getting there. Yeah. We are. Science is going to lead the way on this one. Science, which blinded me from the beginning, is finally going to open the eyes of many in the end. Yeah. Well, that's something that Eric said too. He said that when science meets spirituality, this knowledge will just expand. And, um, well, science has met spirituality. I mean, that quantum science has been talking about, you know, non-local consciousness for a while now. It only takes like 5% to create that 100th monkey effect where, you know, once there is a percentage of people believing something, then it just seems to like explode into the minds of everyone else. Looking at fashion, I was, I remember thinking about that years ago, like how does that work? And then years ago, there was this fashion thing where people wore singlets over t-shirts. And I remember thinking, that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I would never wear that. And I found myself wearing it the next year because once there was an agreement that that looked good, then everybody agreed. And so there's this explosion of consciousness that, you know, we agree that this is how it is. And then everybody agrees. That's how it's going to happen. Uh, Arthur Schopenhauer said that truth goes through three phases. First, it's ridiculed. Yeah. And I've been through that. Next, it's scorned. Been through that. I can see the com- you Well, you've read some of the comments on the YouTube uh, videos. And uh, eventually, it's accepted as self-evident. So we went through the same thing when we went from the world is flat to the world is round. And eventually, we're going to start coming around to the fact that, yeah, there is life after death. Yeah, it's exploding at the moment, I have to say. I, I've been a bit obsessed with it of late. And when I read people's comments, it's just... The conversation that is really taking off is that knowing that we go on because there seems to have been a thought form that we didn't. Funnily enough, I never believed it, even as a small child. Reincarnation was logical to me. I never believed that that wasn't so. But I didn't have a, I didn't have a religious upbringing, so I didn't get too indoctrinated into it. So, Elisa, you're doing such a fantastic job. Thank you so much for all thank that you, you do. Well, thank you for everything you do. To- to bring enlightenment to so many people. I mean, your job is so important, so important. I want to read one of my favorite quotes from Eric. I wrote it down here and he says, Eric, yeah. So don't waste your breath on solutions. Use your breath and use your conversations for identification. Ask for more details. You know, when you feel love in your body where do you feel love in your body do you like it did you ever want more of it do you feel safe when you're loved i think people are just at a loss because that kind of conversation usually doesn't happen with people because they feel like it's a therapy shit (laughs) (laughs) for everyone reading right now that's not therapy shit it's actually it actually should be a part of every relationship that you're in the whole goal of being human is to experience emotion. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> we're, we're emotional beings. And that is the basis of all emotion is unconditional love. So true. That's my favorite quote from the book. So true. Elisa, it's been so great to talk with you today. I see you've changed the YouTube name to Channeling Eric. It used to be Dr. Medhus, and now it's... Yeah, I did not know that it was Dr. Medhus either. I've forgotten what I named it. So I, I did name the YouTube channel uh, Channeling Eric, Eric with a K. 
Yeah. And the first book, uh, which is pretty much my journey from skeptic to believer, and some of the things that Eric shares about his life as a spirit and the afterlife, is My Son and the Afterlife. That is available in pretty much most brick-and-mortar stores and, of course, all online outlets like Amazon. But the second book won't be out until September 1st. But it is available for pre-order. And it's just, it's, I'm just so proud of Eric. I really am. Oh, I'm proud of him too and I'm proud of you and thank you so much for everything you're doing. You've, you've rocked my world, you've changed my world and I'm sure you'll be rocking quite a few hundred thousand more. So um, I look forward to seeing you down under. I'll be at your door knocking. <laughs> thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now. Isn't Elisa fantastic? It was so great to have that conversation with her. If you want to check out the blog, go to Channeling Eric, Eric with a K, dot com, and you'll see all sorts of conversations there. She's spoken with so many amazing forms of consciousness, religious figures like Jesus and Buddha, and all sorts of different forms of consciousness like Mother Earth and aliens and celebrities. Oh, look, it's a fascinating ride. I've really enjoyed it and I'm sure that you will too. Also, if you're interested in hearing some of the other conversations I've had with enlightened spiritual thought leaders, go to Karen Swain, K-A-R-E-N-S-W-A-I-N.com and you'll see Accentuate the Positive Radio there. I've been chatting with people for over four years that are here to uplift and enlighten our world. Also remember to go to our Facebook page, Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or Blissful Beings. They're the guides that I channel, Reminders from Home on Facebook. If you'd like to get your hands on free copies of the books, from the authors that I interview on Accentuate the Positive Radio or be available for some free sessions or events that they put on, subscribe to ATP Radio. It's only $15 a month or $150 for the year. And when you subscribe for the year, you get a free mini reading with myself and my guides, Blissful Beings. Thanks so much for joining me for another enlightened conversation. I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining me. Bye for now.